All right. Let's go ahead and stand. We're just going to read this verse again. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6. All right. It's up there on the screen. Very good. Awesome. Good job. Let's go ahead and uh, read this together. It's because Kevin's not back there. That's why. We got it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Love you, Kevin. All right, let's all read this together, whether you have your Bibles or it's up on the screen. Let's all read this together. Ready, begin. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That last phrase, the Prince of Peace. That's where we're going to close this series and start a new year excited about this, but I really want you to focus on this message today. Again, this series has been a little bit different in nature because we've been just focusing on just one aspect in this verse and kind of going a little bit, uh, venturing off topic a little bit in there. Uh, This series has really helped me, you know, especially last week, you think about it, you know, that everlasting father. And I think a lot of us have struggled with that, not even necessarily uh, whether you're a father or not. I think as parents, I've talked to many of you even this week, and you struggle with that concept of some of the things that uh, you failed at, whether it's the emotionally distant parent or, uh, you know, you struggle with, uh, you know, going off with your, uh, with, uh, you know, the ticking time bomb and things like that. But again, what we see in Christ is he is far different and far superior than anything that we have in this world. Uh, But again, the Prince of Peace. I'm excited about this. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll start this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for the ones that are here and Lord, we are excited, as, as always, about uh, this new year and the possibilities that it brings. And, and Lord, I know that just because the, the page turns the calendar, it doesn't necessarily mean that everything is, um, uh, all the trouble is uh, gone in the world, in our lives. The trouble is still, still there. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, again, to cling to the hope of your word, even as the video kind of suggested there at the end, that your promises have remained the same, your faithfulness has remained the same, and Lord, there's been a lot of uncertainty. Churches had to shut down temporarily, and some states, the churches haven't even really been able to, to meet back together because of government restrictions. And, and Lord, to me, it's, it's brought a lot of focus uh, into my life and a lot of clarity and helped me realize the most important thing and realize the most important thing is you. It has always been you. And Lord, I know many people struggle with that. We struggle with this concept of putting God first, this idea of prominence versus preeminence. And, and Lord, it's something I've read a lot about, I've studied a lot about, even this cultural Christianity that you know, people think that we're good enough. You know, we go to church here and there, it's, it's okay, Lord. But I pray that you'd help us uh, today, going forward, this year going forward, Help us to make sure that the gospel is our priority, that the gospel is truly above all. And Lord, I pray that you be with me in the next few minutes as we study this aspect of the Prince of Peace, that you would help us understand where peace comes from. We love you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Let's start with a question this morning. Why do you think people long for peace? Simple but challenging question. Why do you think people long for peace? What do you think people long for peace? Anybody? To some, peace means happiness. Okay, it's very good. Thank you, Natasha. What else? Anybody else? What do you think people desperately long for peace? So David? Less stressful. Less stressful. Tiffany, did you have a hand? I mean, yeah, because um, of all the chaos around them or something. 
All the, all the chaos surrounding him rather than something quiet. Mike? She took it. Exactly. All right. Awesome. What else? Anybody else? A lot of people desperately long for peace. I know every mother longs for peace, right? Just five minutes. That's what my wife was talking about the other day. Just five minutes. That's all I want. Yes. Peace is always better. Peace is always better. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. What else? Anybody else? These are good. Because of anxiety? There's a lot of anxiety in the world. Yes. I was going to say, I don't think anyone likes chaos. Yeah, I don't think anyone likes chaos. Nobody likes when things are turned upside down and things are completely out of our control. Uh, why else? Maybe one or two more. Why do people desperately long for peace? Anybody? Anybody at all? Because peace means there's control. Okay, that's good. Michael, newly engaged man. Congratulations. Yes. Yeah, let's give him a hand. Because it's rare, okay, that's good, that's good. What else, anybody? Okay, okay, we'll keep going on. You know, I, I, think, I think the problem that many people have with Jesus comes down to this final name mentioned in Isaiah. The Bible says that he is the Prince of Peace, so that's what Isaiah is saying here. But many people have a hard time with this because they don't seem to think that he truly delivered. You know, back in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, when the angels came and declared that the baby was coming to earth, that they said that he was coming to bring peace on earth, and yet here we are over 2,000 years later, and there's still war and violence. There's still chaos and turmoil. There's still riots and racism, there's distrust and strife, there's domestic violence, and that impacts households and uh, more than most people realize. You know, poverty affects countless millions, and, you know, again, injustice. So a lot of people have a hard time with, I think, this aspect of Isaiah's prophecy of Jesus being the Prince of Peace. So I think the question is, did, did Isaiah lie? Everyone wants peace on earth. Was peace just too great of a task for one man to deliver on? But you see, there's a problem with the attitude here. You see, there is a horizontal dysfunction that often leads to a vertical disconnect. I'm going to say that again. It's not in your notes, but there is a horizontal dysfunction that often leads to a vertical disconnect. What I mean is the horizontal dysfunction that we have with others on this earth. The vertical is our relationship with God, our relationship with Jesus Christ. There is a lot of strife in this world. And the main reason there's a lot of strife and confusion is because of one three-letter word, starts with S, ends with I-N. Sin. I mean, she was kind of right on that, but no. Sin, three-letter word. Salvation is not a three-letter word. All right, uh, we really need to start the school back. <laughs> wow, I gave the kids an extra week, but maybe we need to start back tomorrow for the teacher's sake. I don't know. Uh, sin, that's why there is strife and confusion. That's why there is uh, difficulty in this world. You see, we don't see often peace, the peace of God in our lives, in our world, this horizontal relationship, because most of the time, we don't enjoy the peace with God. Vertical. I want you to listen to this. Our greatest relational problem does not stem from injustice. 
It stems from our lack of a relationship with Jesus. Our greatest poverty has nothing to do with money. It's not about the next stimulus plan. It's the spiritual poverty of not knowing God. The greatest injustice is the way that we have all treated the one who has loved us so much that came to dwell among us. And here's a convicting question that I think we should ask ourselves. What if all of the problems in your life ultimately stemmed from the reality that you have been separated from God? See, even the most influential secular writers in history have pointed out that much of our dysfunction goes back to something we've called, or we talked a lot about, and it's a fear of not being accepted. The famous playwright, Arthur Miller, stopped believing in God as a teenager. He's the one that wrote Death of a Salesman. Decades later, he wrote this. He said, I feel like I've carried around a sense of judgment that I could not escape. I still feel like I needed to prove myself to others to have somebody tell me that I was okay, that I was acceptable, that I was approved of. And this is what our world has done. They are searching for something. You know, our title suggests they are searching for Christmas. They are searching for their identity. And what has happened is they have replaced the Prince of Peace with the God of Approval. And what I mean by that is the little g, God of Approval. Because we want approval from others, right? We strive for that. It's something that I, I strive for sometimes. And, you know, we talk about people pleasing. Many of us struggle with that concept of people pleasing. We want to please other people so much that we are willing to relinquish some things and we are willing to go against the identity that Christ has for us, that we do things that are contrary to those things. And I think everyone struggles with this idea of acceptance. And deep down, what people want most is acceptance from the one who made us, the one who knows us. You see, we all want peace because I think someone mentioned it. Peace really is better. It's better than chaos. It's better than turmoil. We don't just look for peace in, in the problem is we don't look for peace in the right places. You know, we're never going to find peace in another, another treaty, another bill that's signed. We're never going to find it in another political leader. Whether, whatever happens on January 6th or January 17th or 20th or February, whatever happens, it's not going to bring peace. Again, no matter who's in the office of the president come the end of this month, that's not going to bring peace in America, is it? And if you think that's going to bring peace in America to whoever's in office, you're disillusioned. Because a man on this earth is not going to bring peace. The only one that's going to bring peace is who? Jesus. He's the only one that can bring peace. You see, this goes back to what we started 2020 with. It goes back to the idea of being in control. You see, we want to be in control, and the reality is that we really don't want Jesus to be in control of our lives. And I say this with certainty because of how I've seen people, even family members of mine, act in 2020. You know, 2020 was a crazy year, to say the least, again. But allowing things... Allowing things to take them out of church, hinder their relationship with God, 
And you can, you can use whatever excuse you want. Because, look, we all use excuses, don't we? I, I, I use excuses for why my relationship with Jesus struggles and suffers. I do. And I'm sure you do as well. We can use any kind of excuse we want in the book. There's all kinds of excuses, and some of you have good excuses why your relationship with Jesus is suffering. I mean, honestly, how many have probably a good excuse? We probably do, yeah. But all of our excuses are invalid. They really are. They don't really amount to much at all. You see, the, the, the point is, we want to be in control. And when we are not in control, we don't like that. And the problem with our relationship with Jesus is some of us have never fully surrendered full control to the only one who is in control. And until we do that, and it's, it's not just something you do one day and then the rest of your life is all great. It's something I think even as Paul suggested in the New Testament, he had to die daily of himself, which means he had to basically surrender control every day. All right, God, I'm not in control today. You're in control. You do what you think is best. I think Paul realized that, and it took a lot of you know, beatings and tragedy and trials in his life to get to that point. But the goal is, you know, we want to be in charge. And I, I talked about this a little bit on Wednesday, but, you know, if you don't believe me, then just try living out what the Bible says for 24 hours, just 24 hours. Try doing exactly what the Bible says in your life, living, acting, talking, everything. But here's the irony. People often turn from God to seek freedom. Think about that. People want freedom. They want acceptance. They want approval. So instead of turning to God for those things, what do they do? They turn from God. They turn away from God. Let me turn to drink. Let me turn to drugs. Let me turn to sex. Let me turn to whatever. But again, many of us that have turned to those things, do they really bring full acceptance, full approval, full satisfaction? No, they don't. They don't even bring happiness. They bring you further down. They bring more dissatisfaction with life. They don't bring peace. And it's kind of ironic that in trying to find freedom, instead of running to the one that can bring peace, the one that came to be peace, we run from that. And with the promise of Jesus here in Isaiah 9, God is correcting the order and position of our worship from ourselves and creation to someone that is actually capable of ruling. And really, the main idea of this message is this, that Jesus meets our deepest needs. And in Him, we find acceptance, completion, and peace. But we have to replace the object of our worship to the only one who can actually satisfy but the true secret of finding peace is really found in the origin of peace. I want you to turn just a couple places. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in, in the EQ time. EQ, EQ time with the adults. Uh, the teens are going to go a little bit different direction this morning. But uh, turn to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. I want to look a couple passages in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians very quickly. Ephesians chapter number 2. just want to read a couple verses. Uh, let's see where we find it. All right, verse number 12. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 12, the Bible says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens, which means basically being separated, 
from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. That's kind of where our world is today. A lot of people just struggle with the idea of hope. And without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who are sometimes far off were made nigh by the blood of Christ. For if you're there, I want you to read this phrase together with me. What's the next couple words say? Verse 14. For he is our peace. Just focus on that. Again, in the world, there's not much hope in the world, right? There's not much certainty. There's not much surety. But what Paul is telling us, and again, we're going to dive just a little deeper into this in EQ. But what Paul is trying to tell us is that, yeah, you're not going to find peace in the world because all you see in the world is just conflict, chaos, turmoil, things that don't go the way that you think they should go. But if you want to find peace, you're not going to find it in any kind of relationship that you have on this earth because relationships often fail and, you know, mess up. But if you want to find peace, where do you have to look? To Jesus. Because he is the origin. Verse 14, he is our peace. Flip over to the next book. A couple pages over. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. I'll start in verse number 4. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Verse number 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, beside this verse in my Bible I have written, In order to find peace, first I must find Jesus. If I want true peace in this world, I first have to find Jesus Christ, the only one that can bring peace. Now flip to Colossians, the next book. And we're going to go back. Colossians chapter 3, verse number... We'll start in verse number 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. Verse 15, and let the peace of God, this is very important, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. I love that verse. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You see, oftentimes we've replaced peace, the true object of peace, with everything else that does not bring peace. And I'm saying all of that to set up the message this morning. Just a couple simple points. You see, in a world that is searching for acceptance, here's what we discover very quickly about the Prince of Peace. In Jesus, write this down, we find acceptance. We want to be accepted. We desire to be accepted in the world. People want that. They long for that. We do all kinds of things to be accepted in our world. But if you call upon the name of Jesus, first and foremost for salvation, in Him you finally find your acceptance. And the acceptance is solely found on the basis of His grace. You see, we were made to enjoy love and acceptance of God. We were made to live at peace with God. Neil Anderson once said, he said, The most important belief we possess is a true knowledge of who God is. 
The second most important belief is who we are as children of God. Because we cannot consistently behave in a way that is inconsistent with how we perceive ourselves to be. What you do doesn't determine who you are. Who you are determines what you do. The more you reaffirm who you are in Christ, the more your behavior will begin to reflect your true identity. And this is important. He said this, We don't serve God to gain His acceptance. Again, this is where so many people struggle with. We've talked about this. I think even we mentioned this last week briefly. We don't serve God to gain His acceptance. We are already accepted by God if we are His child, which means if we are saved. So we serve God, or we should serve God. We don't follow Him to be loved. We are already loved, so we follow Him. It is not what we do that determines who we are. It is who we are that determines what we do. And now here's the great news. In the arms of the prince, it becomes irrelevant whether tomorrow in your life you're going to face prosperity or adversity. It doesn't matter what happens today or tomorrow. It really doesn't. You see, true freedom is understanding that no matter what happens, no matter what throw or life throws your way, you don't have to worry about tomorrow. I think Amanda mentioned that there's a lot of anxieties in this world, and there is. And that's why people struggle with the idea of peace. But it doesn't matter about what 2021 holds, or 2022, or whatever the year that we are in holds, because our hope is not found in the year that we are in. Our hope is found in something greater, and our hope is found in someone greater. Our hope is found in the Prince of Peace. In the Jewish culture, there is a word that is used as a greeting. And the word is shalom. How many have ever heard that word? Typically, the meaning of shalom is, anybody know? Peace. But there's a deeper meaning to that. You see, shalom is not necessarily just a lack of conflict. The true meaning of shalom is the idea of wholeness and completeness. You see, Isaiah is teaching us a very powerful truth this morning. That peace does not come through the absence of conflict because a lack of conflict still leaves you incomplete, lacking, and not whole. The word shalom in the past was used for a perfect stone that had no cracks or for a perfect wall that had no gaps in it. So a city and a people with such stones and walls could live in shalom, in completeness, in wholeness, Full protection, full security, full peace because there were no cracks, no gaps in the place they live. Now I want you to think about your life. When something in your life cracks, when sin creates those gaps, you are in need of shalom. Which again, literally means, it's more than just peace. It literally means this, to restore and make complete. But we cannot attain that peace and that state of completeness on our own because of our fallen state. Here's what I mean. We cannot achieve that shalomness because we are broken. And broken individuals cannot fix themselves. Think about your car. How many, how many have ever had a car that has been broken? You'll love it. How many have ever had your broken car fix itself? Awesome. Praise God. She's got a miracle car. <laughs> Typically, that doesn't happen. Now, sometimes, you know, just something snaps back into place and all of a sudden it works. 
But typically, something that is broken does not fix itself, right? doesn't happen. And especially as individuals, if we are broken, can we fix our broken self? No. You know, it was about a year or so ago that I broke the plate. I mean, that was a great object lesson. You know, some of you guys love that. I should do that again. You know, but if I were to take that plate, which it's in the trash somewhere, some dump somewhere, but if I were to take that plate and try to put it together, it's not going to be the same, is it? And that plate cannot fix itself, right? Because it's broken. It's not complete. Again, we cannot attain peace because of our own brokenness. Now think about the possibilities that a new year brings. There's a lot. You know, people often say that it brings the propensity to turn over a new leaf, but, you know, turning over a new leaf still isn't going to fix anything. Because I can't fix the mess of my life from the previous year or the previous years. And really, that's what's so amazing about the Prince of Peace. He came down to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And that's what I want you to get from this message this morning. There's so much more that I can talk about, but in understanding the Prince of Peace, He came to do what we could not do for ourselves. We can't bring peace. We, we can't find peace. I mean, even in your home, you might have peace for a few minutes when everyone's asleep. <laughs> but you can't create peace on your own. And again, it's not found in a political leader because go back through history, the past six, ten thousand 10,000 years of this world. Go back to the history of this world and has there ever truly been a perfect time of peace on earth. No. There's always been turmoil. There's always been strife. So then again, goes back to the question, well, did Isaiah lie? I mean, it said that this, this child that was going to be born, he's going to be wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. So, I mean, obviously, he hasn't brought peace. So what's he talking about? Well, Write this down. The Prince of Peace came to restore and to make complete. Because the world is broken. The world is in need of fixing. Because of sin. Because of the problem of the fallen state of mankind. Because it goes back to the garden when when man decided that they knew what was best and they weren't going to listen to God and I'm going to do what I want to do. And any of us that were in that situation probably would have done the same thing. But the Prince of Peace came to restore and to make complete. You see, God saved us from ourselves to himself, through himself, by himself, for himself. He came to make you and I complete. I think of what Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 says. It says, And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Again, it goes back to the idea of acceptance and approval. People want to be accepted. They want to feel complete. They want to feel whole. But I'm here to tell you that you're not going to find wholeness, completeness, approval, acceptance in anything in this world apart from Christ. And the Prince of Peace came to restore. He came to make us complete. But it doesn't stop there. 
verse 14 of chapter 2 of Colossians, it says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly triumphing over them. So what, what this verses, verses are saying is this. He canceled out the certificate of death that consisted of all the legal demands against us. He removed it all when he nailed it to the cross. He made them an example when he triumphed over them through the cross. You see, here's the reality. Jesus went to war for our sake so that we can find peace. Jesus faced enemies that you and I don't stand a chance against. He did it for our sake, for our peace to make us complete in Him. And the only way that you will find peace in this earth is by accepting the fact that you can't do it on your own. That your hope is not found in another year. Your hope is not found in a better job. Your hope is only found in Jesus Christ. My hope is in Him who made me. And the reality is that, again, we don't want Jesus to be fully in control of our lives. And because of that, because we don't give full control of our lives to Jesus, many of us will never find true shalom, true peace, true completeness, true wholeness. Some are like, well, I found it. Well, maybe for a day or two, but then you go back to how you've done your life, and it's not peaceful, it's chaotic. Look, here's the reality. You'd be a fool to not take what Jesus has to offer you. Only his kingship can deliver you from your pride, from your anger, from your wickedness. Only he can restore you to wholeness, to completeness in God. And to me, this is a great way to set up a new year. I'm reading a a book right now. And it's simply entitled, Stop Trying. You know, many of us are trying hard. It goes to identity. Many of us are so trying hard with with our identities to try to make ourselves into something. It goes back to acceptance and approval. But what we need to do is just stop trying and allow Jesus to be the king of our lives, to be the one who has full control of our lives, to realize that our identity is not found in who we are, what others say we are, but is only found in Jesus Christ. You see, I cannot fix any problem in my life. The more I try to fix it, the more hurt I'm going to give myself. The problem with being king of my life is that I cannot do what the king of kings can do. I can't do what the Lord of lords can do. I can't find acceptance and validation. You see, Jesus took on flesh so that we might find the peace of God and be unified with God. He wore our sin that we may wear his holiness. What prince does that? Typically a prince, royalty, is only concerned about themselves, right? Is only concerned about their own kingdom of what they can get, what they can achieve. But everything that Jesus came to do, he did for us. To make us complete, to restore us. 
He lived our poverty and ruin that we may live in the bounty of his presence and kingdom forever. He became a man that we may become the sons and daughters of the living God. He took mortality that we may be immortal in the land where we will walk with God again. He took humanity that we may take on everlasting life. And you know the greatest reason we find acceptance? It's because of the true reason Jesus came. You know, we just celebrated Christmas, but Christmas does not make sense on its own. Just a baby being born, it's incomplete. Here's what I mean. Christmas always needed Easter. Jesus came to be born, but that's not why he came. It wasn't just to be born. Sometimes we just focus so much on the manger, and it's, it's, it's yes, it's about that, but it's so much more. He came to be born, why? So that he could die for our sins. So that he can make us complete. So that he can restore the relationship that has been separated from God. Jesus came to bring acceptance in a world in search of acceptance by offering something pretty awesome, forgiveness. And when Jesus went to the cross to choose, or when Jesus went to the cross, he chose to forgive us of our sins. And here's what he was saying. I am choosing to absorb the cost of your wrong. Basically, I am taking all of your wrongdoings and putting it on my account. Who does that? Even in our lives, when we forgive someone, most of the time we don't really forgive them. When we forgive them, a couple months later, we're still holding it over their head. But is that true forgiveness? Husbands and wives are good at that. Parents are great at that with their kids. But when Jesus forgave us, he took all of it and put it on himself. And it's not like, I'm going to hold this over your head. No, no, no. Once we trust Jesus as our Savior, we don't have to work to gain more acceptance because we're already accepted. We're already complete. Forgiveness always comes at a cost, and it costs Jesus his life. He came to offer the peace that meets our greatest needs. Augustine, the the great priest of the past, he said, Our hearts are restless until we find rest in him. You know, I talked briefly about the dysfunction between the horizontal and the vertical, but when people place their trust in Jesus and follow Jesus, the vertical transforms the horizontal. Meaning when you're truly aligned with Jesus, when you truly find peace with God, that you are accepted by Him, that you are complete in Him, all of the horizontal relationships take care of themselves. But the reason why the horizontal relationship struggles is because we haven't figured out the vertical relationship. It kind of goes back to John. We're not truly abiding in Christ, the only one that can bring peace. And again, the Prince of Peace came to die to bring you acceptance from God, to give you a peace that God can only give that will change your life. The source of peace is found in its origin. The origin is Jesus. And listen, peace without Jesus is impossible. No Jesus equals no peace. But to know Jesus means you can know peace. 
Many of us want peace. I think of what John 14, 27, when Jesus was on this earth, He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Give I unto you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now there's a lot of verses that we can take out of context, but I think the implication that Jesus was giving here is that if you want true peace, it's not going to be found in what's going on around you. Don't worry about all of the things that you cannot fix, that you cannot control. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. Why don't you trust in the only one that can actually bring you peace? And I think of, what is it, Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God that passeth all understanding. It's an amazing thing. It really is. I think I've mentioned it before, but for me, there's been times in my life where I found that, that, that peace with God that I couldn't explain. And I, I couldn't even fathom. And the moment that I, I vividly remember was the moment that our son Logan died where I was chasing behind the ambulance. My wife was in the ambulance. And there was a moment where it was probably the moment where Logan passed away. In the midst of the chaos and the uncertainty, all of a sudden I felt this overwhelming calmness. This overwhelming peace. How is that possible? How is that possible when I don't know if my son's going to make it or not? I don't know if he's going to live or not. And it felt to me as if God himself picked the three of us up, wrapped his strong arms around us and said, it's okay. I've got you. And it was at that moment that it helped me understand and realize that, you know what, no matter what happens to Logan, peace doesn't come whether he lives or not. I'm only going to find peace in my Savior. Because in Him, that's where I find completeness and wholeness. Acceptance. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. So don't, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't, don't be anxious. Don't be nervous. Don't be afraid. If you want peace in this earth, if you want peace in this world, if you want peace in relationships, if you want peace in your family, peace in your marriage, yeah, counseling can help and things like that, but it's only going to found it's only going to be found if your relationship with Jesus is right. And what happens a lot of times in relationships is one or the other, you know, one one person is really going to try to strive to, to, to make that work. But in a relationship, both have to make it work. You can't just have the husband that's striving to find peace with God and working on the vertical relationship and the wife is just, I don't really care, or vice versa. Both have to strive for it. Both have to strive to realize that, you know what, my relationship with my Heavenly Father is the most important thing. And if I work on that, if I work on my vertical, the horizontal is going to take care of itself. You know, Amanda and I don't have a perfect relationship, but that's something we've talked about over the, really the past couple of months, that our relationship over the past several years has gotten so much stronger because our vertical relationship has gotten stronger. Do we have problems? Yes. 
Do we still fight? Yes. Quiet. (laughs) Yes, we do. Because it goes back to control. It goes back to the idea that one or both of us want to be in control instead of surrendering to Jesus. But when we're both where we need to be with Jesus, then we're where we need to be with each other. You see, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Isaiah didn't lie. In every message I've closed with, you know, these head change, heart change, life change. And really, I want to close out this series with this. The head change of this series is this, to know that Jesus meets our deepest needs and can heal our brokenness. We cannot fix our brokenness. But Jesus can. The heart change is this, to feel overwhelmed by the provision of peace that we find in Jesus. To feel overwhelmed by the provision of peace that we find in Jesus. And the life change is this, to trust Jesus as the source of our salvation. There might be some today that have never trusted Jesus as your salvation. And if you want true peace, that's only going to be found in saying, Lord, I need you. God, I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. You came to bring peace in my life. And I I want to restore my marriage. I want to restore my family. Think about all the broken, messed up relationships we have in this world. I want to restore all these problems. Well, the Prince of Peace came to restore. He came to make us complete, make us whole. He came to bring true shalom, which is completeness and wholeness. But we only find it in Him. We only, we only find it abiding in the origin And this is the gospel. The Prince of Peace came to bring us acceptance and completion. The Prince of Peace came to bring us acceptance and completion. Let's pray.